everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. And I am really excited about this episode because it's our 100th episode. 100. We've had 100 conversations about pregnancy, prenatal care, parenting, motherhood, feminism, politics, current events, health care, music, spirituality, and then some. Somebody asked me early on if I thought we'd have enough to talk about if all we talked about is pregnancy and parenting and motherhood and that sort of thing. Well, here we are, 100% episodes in, and I'd say the answer is yes. There's plenty to talk about, and we're nowhere near done. That's because motherhood impacts every person on earth and every aspect of our culture. Everybody either is a mother, has a mother, or knows a mother, and they also know that mothers are in the world. That's a fact. Now, let's make sure that mothers get the credit, respect, support, and resources they deserve. That's what we talk about here at Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting. Now, for those of you just getting started on this big old conversation we're having here on the pod, I am the author of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which is a Penguin Random House publication that came out in 2015. And it is my best advice and inside information based on 20 years as a labor and delivery nurse and a mother of many about how to navigate prenatal care in the United States so that both mom and baby come out of the experience healthy and well. If you're looking for common sense pregnancy information, labor and delivery information, information about prenatal tests, pain management, birth positions, all that, go get the book. It's in there. You can buy that directly from my website, jeanfogner.com, or on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever you buy your books. Yes, it's probably in your local bookstore. Go pick a copy up. Now, if you're looking for information about all the rest of the stuff you need to know to survive as a new parent, an older parent, an adoptive parent, a working parent, etc., I'm going to bet you'll find an episode on our podcast where we've talked about it. So, you know, as I'm approaching this 100th episode, I've been looking back over the list of episodes and topics we've covered and the ones that have been downloaded most. And it kind of reads like a playlist of all the topics my listeners and probably most parents are most concerned about. And it it kind of shows us what you're trying to do for yourself and the issues you're dealing with throughout your parenting experiences. It says a lot about what our listeners are going through. So I thought for our 100th episode, I'd like to present, in sort of a backwards order, our list of most frequently downloaded episodes. Number 95, preterm labor, family planning, and emails. Uh, In that episode, we talked with our friend and midwife, Chris Beard, uh, about why we need family planning for health purposes, and about the difference between preterm labor and preterm contractions. We get a lot of emails about that, and a lot of women are wondering what all those early contractions mean. When are they normal? When are they not? When do you need help? Chris breaks it down really well. In episode 92, Meditation, Pregnancy, and Parenting, we talked with expectful founder, Mark Krasner, about the important changes meditation makes in pregnancy, parenting, and I'd argue everything. I've had my own meditation practice for going on 10 years, I think, and I give it a lot of credit 
for helping me grow, you know, in almost every avenue of my life, professionally, as a parent, as a partner. It it may sound a little bit cliche, but it's sort of like tapping into the mother load of creativity and energy, the God particle. Mother load. <laughs> See what I did there? Okay, episode 86, period sex and pressure to induce. Oh my God, this question is right there at the top, the one about induction. Here I am at the end of my pregnancy and my doctor wants to induce. It's, you know, we get this all the time, the do I need to have an induction question. So even though standards of care dictate pretty clearly when an induction is appropriate and when it isn't, many doctors are still pushing them on mothers who probably don't need them. You know, it's part of their culture. It's part of their standard for how they practice. They're super convenient on schedules. They kind of, you know, add an element of control to the birth environment. And oftentimes they work out just beautifully. The problem is though that, excuse me, oftentimes they don't work out well because the body just plain wasn't ready to labor. When an induction is necessary for the health of mom or baby, then by all needs, excuse me, by all means, get one and thank God for it. But if it's not medically necessary, don't. Because an induction that doesn't progress the way it was intended is a straight shot to the operating room for a C-section. So we talk a lot about that in that episode. And speaking of C-sections, in episode 82, an obstetrician's thoughts on C-sections, pain, and disparities, we talked to Dr. Amanda Calhoun, and she had a lot to say about these three topics. And you know, it kind of looks like a lot of people are curious about racial disparities in the healthcare setting. And I say, good, about freaking time. Women of color experience poor maternal health outcomes at astounding rates compared to white women. And that's something we need to talk about a lot. Okay, what's next? Episode 75, Fitness, Wellness, and Motherhood Anxiety. We talked to fitness pro, Melissa Leonardo. Uh, about pregnancy and parenting, battling anxiety and depression, and how fitness became part of her mental health care plan. You know what? Motherhood anxiety is something that's really common, yet so many of us feel like we're all alone with it. We feel like we're the only one who, um, you know, is feeling unsure, feeling unhappy, feeling frightened or angry. And for women who are used to functioning at, you know, maximum capacity and in an organized way, the chaos a baby throws into your life can be totally unnerving. Add in some isolation, some loneliness, some anxiety about going back to work. And I don't think any of us are surprised that there are a lot of anxious parents out there. So we talk about that a lot here on the podcast and about the ways we can structure our lives to promote our own well-being. And fitness is top of the list. And, you know, it sort of looks like we're sticking to a theme here. Number 73 is real popular, insomnia, anxiety, pregnancy, and parenting. Like episode 75 about anxiety, this one um, is really resonating. We talked with new mother and romper.com writer Kelly McWilliams about her experience. And I, I'm really not surprised this one's been so popular. We've got a lot of anxious, sensitive, creative, sleepless mamas out there. 
And I think that this episode really speaks to all that. Uh, Episode 67, Back Pain, Pregnancy, and Physical Therapy. We talked to two physical therapists who had slightly different approaches to dealing with the back aches, the groin pain, the pelvic pain that is oh so common uh, during and after pregnancy. And it turns out there is a lot you can do that doesn't involve drugs, needles, or even an appointment. Fitness specialized exercises. Heal yourself. That's what our health is for. Um, two other super popular episodes are episode number 66 and episode number six, two episodes with author, teacher, and yoga instructor, Jennifer Pasteloff about ambivalence during pregnancy, um, and how that really, really resonated. We talked with her early on in the podcast in episode six about her work, her new pregnancy, and the full range of feelings women have during pregnancy and motherhood. And then we revisit with Jen in episode 66 and talk about, um, you know, how she feels now, her career, her life, how everything has changed now that she has her son. Um, I really loved episode 55, Talk and Shop with Obstetrician Dr. Neil Shaw. Neil Shaw is a hot new voice of reason in the maternal health world, and he's making waves with the same kind of information we talk about over here, how the U.S. does too many C-sections and loses too many mothers to maternal death. He talks about how labor and delivery wards are set up like intensive care units, how OBs are surgeons and therefore going to do surgery, and about all kinds of stuff that drove me nuts when I was a nurse and wheeling too many women into the operating room for surgeries they probably didn't need. I really encourage you to listen to this, especially if you're a healthcare provider um, and one who is interested in making change in your unit. Dr. Neil Shaw is a real champion and pioneer here. Uh, What's next? Episode 44. This one's practical. Labor pains and epidurals. Yep, that one mattered a lot. Um, For obvious reasons. Go check it out. (laughs) Oh, also, here's one that was, everybody loves this one. Episode number nine, Frank Talk with the Labor Nurses. This one, this was so near and dear to my heart. We talked to a mother-daughter labor nurse team about what they do on the job every day and the challenges and frustrations they face when all they really want to do is help you deliver your baby safely. Um, You guys wanted to know what labor nurses really think about their patients and their job and what they want you to know about labor and hospital procedures. So that one was a good one. And then our number one most frequently downloaded, most popular was our very first episode with Sarah Bowen Shea on exercise. Sarah Bowen Shea is the founder of Another Mother Runner. And she was my very first podcast guest. And her advice about exercise for a healthy pregnancy and for keeping your brain on tight during parenting has been solid gold. In fact, I had so much fun talking with Sarah that we did a second episode together, episode number 60, where we talked about running, parenting, resolutions, and more. So that's kind of the the high the high points on the on the hundred. And based on these most popular episodes, it looks like, you know, y'all are searching for similar information about 
how to manage your physical and mental health, how to prepare for your births, how to figure out what is necessary and what isn't in terms of medical care, and how to advocate for what you really want. Also, it kind of looks like a lot of parents are feeling a bit edgy, exhausted, and a little off base. And guess what? I'd say that's just about how you're supposed to feel. God knows I sure did. Pregnancy and parenting are the biggest life changers most of us will ever do. And if we're not feeling a bit weird, then maybe we're kind of missing the point. I'm hoping you're going to go back and give some of those older episodes a listen and see if they resonate with anything that you're going through. So let's see. Um, We're going to answer some listener emails coming up here in a few minutes, and we're going to call up our friend, Chris Beard, who is a certified nurse midwife at Kaiser Permanente here in Portland and a regular here on the podcast. And she's going to help us answer those. But first, I want to say just one more thing about this hundredth episode. I don't think it's a coincidence that it goes out during Thanksgiving week. This pot, this podcast and the conversations we're having and sharing the help I've had producing each episode and the opportunities we have to discuss really important things. I, I couldn't be more grateful for that. And that's what I'm thankful for this year. I am thankful for those of you who are listening and sharing the pod with your friends, your sisters, your daughters, your girlfriends, your partners, your colleagues. I'm thankful for each and every one of you who are doing your part to elevate the conversations we have about motherhood, parenthood, and pregnancy, who are asking for what they want from their healthcare and parenting experiences. And I'm thankful for all the healthcare providers out there who will bend over backwards to make it as positive as possible. Thank you to all of you who are doing your part to make this big job of ours, raising the next generation of global citizens while keeping the world spinning. Thanks for helping us make it a little easier. Thank you. Now, let's get Chris on the phone to answer a few emails. Hi, Chris. It's Jeannie. Hey, Jeannie. How you doing? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Well, cool. Thanks for joining us for our 100th episode. And I know that you've been on the pod a bunch of times and most of my listeners already know who you are. But what the heck? I like starting my podcast this way. So I'll ask you, Chris, who are you and what are you doing this week? Well, first of all, congratulations on your 100th podcast. That is Thank great. You. I love your Thank podcast. You. Um, I am Chris Beard. I am a certified nurse midwife, uh, in Portland, Oregon. I work for Kaiser Permanente and, um, what am I doing this week? This week I am preparing for a quite a busy weekend. So today is my day off. I've been to the grocery store. I've taken the dog to the park and now I'm sitting down with you. Awesome. Nice. Maybe we're having lunch together sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I am really, you know, I I said early on, uh, earlier on in my, uh, before we got you on the phone today that, you know, early on in this podcast, somebody asked me, you know, what are you going to be doing a podcast about pregnancy and prenatal care and, you know, that kind of thing? Are you going to have enough to fill up a whole podcast? And here we are at the hundredth episode and yes, there's so much to talk about. We could talk about this all day, every day. So true. It's important. It's important stuff. Yeah. Everybody has a mother, is a mother, or knows a mother. 
There isn't a person on the planet who hasn't been impacted by motherhood. And, you know, I, I just feel like it's really important that we have a hundred more conversations, a thousand more conversations until we really elevate the status of how we talk about women. You know, I hear you. It's been a heck of a week for it too, in terms of current events, because of all of the hashtag me too, you know, that's been going on. And several of the elections are focusing on uh, treatment of women and boy, you know, I, again, I don't think we could talk about it loud enough or often enough. Yeah. Well, Chris, I wanted to get you on the pod because um, we've got quite a few listener emails and I want your help answering it. How about that? That sounds like a great thing. Okay, cool. Well, let's start with this one from Frances. She says, hey, Jeannie, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Thanks for all the important work you do. Oh, thanks, Francis. You're welcome. I am 36 weeks pregnant with my first baby. It's been a textbook pregnancy and a relatively easy one at that. I exercised consistently throughout, have gained about 35 pounds, no major complaints short of morning sickness in the first trimester. I had my 36-week scan this week, and though my baby's size is in the 49th percentile, her head is measuring in the 98th. I'm crestfallen. I've heard these third trimester scans can be notoriously off, but apparently the head measurement is actually more accurate in general. I'm delivering in a hospital in New York City with an OB I trust and a wonderful, highly experienced doula at my side. Though my OB has only offered encouragement, I'm struggling with not viewing the head measurement statistic as anything but a prescription for a C-section. I am five feet, eight inches and 164 pounds now. My mother had three C-sections, big heads run in my family, though she is much shorter, smaller than me. I'm really hoping to deliver vaginally and am feeling so discouraged now. I'm wondering what you think about any of this and would be grateful for any advice you have to offer. My very best, Francis. Well, what I would say to Francis is the human body is an amazing thing and women were designed to give birth vaginally and that um, it is hard not to focus on the numbers, but I would encourage her to not focus on the numbers. Somebody has to be 98th percentile. Somebody has to be 20th percentile. But what we know about ultrasound in the third trimester is that it's not very accurate. And I would say it's probably not very accurate for head measurement either. Um, We know it's not accurate for fetal weight. And that with um, labor is a very dynamic process and people's bones shift to prepare for the birth of their baby. And I would encourage her to just focus on the positive and not freak out about the number. What do you think? Well, I think that I was going to say pretty much the same thing as you. Um, You know, the miracle is that um, not only does the body adjust, you know, if, uh, become flexible at the point of delivery to adjust for a baby, it, it does that for your baby. You know, your body is getting the message throughout the entire pregnancy of what size kid we have to deliver. And it's making adjustments that, you know, maybe we can't exactly measure throughout the process to accommodate that. So, you know, your body most likely, Francis, can deliver your baby Vaginally. The other thing to remember is that the baby, the baby's head 
is not a round circle that's like a um, a ball. It is actually it it's is actually made ball. of different pieces that fit together, and they're designed to be able to slide over each other so that the baby can fit through your bones. So even though the baby might have a larger measurement when the actual birth process, which is a dynamic process, is taking place, everything's moving together. The bones are shifting to overlap each other so the baby can fit through. Yeah. Um, so she says, my mother had three C-sections and I'm really hoping to deliver vaginally. So she is coming to her delivery date with this history behind her of her mom had three C-sections and the big head, you know, she accommodates, she says it's because big heads run in her family. And so this is the, the history and the mythology she's bringing to her birth. She's hoping to deliver vaginally. And I'm really, really glad that she's reaching out for encouragement. I'm really glad that her obstetrician has only offered encouragement. Um, that's good news, but it, it, it almost, we kind of need to convince her. And I'm hoping that what we've had to say, we'll do that. I think yeah. the, the birth story or the birth history that people come with is very powerful. And, um, you know, we don't know why her mom had three C-sections. She might've had the first C-section because her baby was breech. And back in the day when, I mean, if she's 36 years old, she was born in, help me with the math, um, 1980. Yeah. And, um, you know, we did things differently in 1980. It, it might've been a hospital in a time where it was once a C-section, always a C-section. So we don't know what would have happened if she'd been having a baby today. Exactly. It could have, it, yeah. Who knows what Who happened. Who knows what happened. So yeah. it's hard not to take that story on because that's the story she's been hearing all of her life. But it sounds like she's a healthy woman who's had a normal pregnancy. There's no reason to think she won't have a vaginal birth. Yeah. Francis, we wish you well and make sure that you email back and let us know how things go. We'll be rooting for you and your baby. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Here's another one. Um, and with this one, we're just going to, no names mentioned, let's say. Hi, Jeannie. In your last podcast, you talked about the lack of postpartum support and care women in America receive these days. This was in context to the discussion you had from someone in Europe, I believe about midwives making visits to homes. As someone who is due later this year, and I think about the postpartum period, how do I and other women get the support needed after the baby is born? This is my second child, so I know what you are referring to when you visit the doctor six weeks postpartum, fill out a form, and they discharge you. I called five months after my daughter was born, stating I wasn't sleeping, but my baby was, and was told I was no longer under her care. I didn't know what to do, so let it be. Now, pregnant again, I mentioned it to my doctor when I first saw her, and she seemed surprised I was turned away, and referred me to talk to someone who is, who is now helping. But it's a shame nothing was done about it a year prior when I needed the help. I am better prepared, but it still makes me wonder what will fall through the cracks? So I'm asking, what is the solution or how do I and other women receive the help needed that doctor's offices are not providing? Thanks. Oh, gosh. 
she sounds so frustrated and I bet kind of frightened. She needed help and she didn't get it. And it was all bureaucratic and systematic and it had nothing to do with patient care. I get it. So what do we, you know, this is a hard one. And I know that, you know, what I see as the solution is a really radical shift in how we provide maternal health care here in the United States. But I bet that's not going to happen in time for the birth of her baby by later this year, I think she said. So what is the solution? What is the solution? Well, I think the solution is that you have to come from where you are right now, even though Mm -hmm. the real solution is shifting healthcare. What we have Mm -hmm. right now is what we have. And I think Mm -hmm. there is a there is a much greater awareness of postpartum mental health support and certainly not Mm -hmm. sleeping would fall under that category for me. Um, I would be very concerned about a patient of mine who wasn't sleeping. We have um, limited folks who are experts at postpartum mental health, but they are out there. And I would encourage uh, people to seek out mental health help when they're postpartum, Mm -hmm. if they're feeling anxious or they're not sleeping. Um, I also think you need to, you know, rally your troops. There are other moms out there who are surely experiencing some of the things that you're experiencing. So sometimes connecting Mm -hmm. in a group with, with moms, either at book babies at the library or at a breastfeeding support group or at, you know, some pediatric offices are now offering new parent groups. I think those places are all good places to connect with other moms. And you can kind of yeah. hear what the range of experiences is. And right. sometimes what you're experiencing is pretty typical. It's hard, but it's pretty typical. So sometimes hearing that, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one is helpful. Right. And sometimes what you're experiencing isn't typical. And you can go, oh, I guess I better get some help for that. So I think reaching out to your peers, the other thing, and this was hard for me when I was a new mom is accepting help. When someone says, can I help you? Most people just say, oh, I'm fine. But really what you should say is yes. And then figure out how they can help you. Can they come watch your other child for a little bit? Can they come do some laundry for you? Can they stop by the grocery store and pick up some, you know, a rotisserie chicken and some potato salad so you don't have to cook that night? You know, how can they help you? People do want to help you, yeah, but you have to say yes, and then you have to give them something to do. I think, I think that in this in in this time that we are in right now, that women have to be super super proactive in creating their own safety net for that postpartum period, and they can't even wait for people to ask. They have to be proactive and do the asking. So, you know, here she is during her pregnancy. She needs to be reaching out to uh, the women in her life, the family members that she knows she can rely on. She needs to be talking to her, you know, her partner, her extended family, her friends and saying, hey, you know what? I really need help during this time period. And I need you to be part of that and ask for the help. And then when they say, great, here's what I've got to offer then say yes, please. And thank you. And, you know, be sure you reach out and ask. So what if she's in a situation where she, um, you know, feels like she's getting a medical, she needs medical care, but she's not able to access it 
through her healthcare provider? What it, you know, like she talked about that, what is she supposed to do? That's really hard. I think it depends on where you live. Um, you know, there are a number of crisis lines that you can call. If you're really concerned about yourself, you can go to the emergency room, but it all depends on where you live. There you go. I mean, maybe, right. And, and, you know, maybe she isn't, she mentioned that she wasn't sleeping and certainly that is indicative of, um, you know, a mental health issue, but it may be indicative of other things going on, um, you know, from a health perspective. So I, yes, she can go to the emergency room, but also she can make a second and third phone call back to her provider and say, no, seriously, I need some help. If you're telling me that I'm no longer under her care, who else can you, you know, who can you send me, me in to? with? Just keep asking for the help. Yeah. Just keep asking for what you want until you get it, even if it means being pushy and advocating for yourself. You know you'd do it for your baby. You know you'd do it for your baby. And you know you'd do it for your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you saw your friend in that kind of situation. Oh, heck yes. But, you know, we have women in this situation where they there are gaps all over the darn postpartum period, and women are isolated and lonely and afraid and anxious and exhausted and who even knows what's normal and what's not. And so all we can do for this pregnancy right now is say, baby, build your safety net. That is great advice. All right. You want to do another one? Sure. Okay. So this one's a bit of a back and forth with Allison. She wrote me. I wrote back. She wrote back again. And um, now I just, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, and she came to me via Fit Pregnancy. I still have columns that run in that magazine, apparently. Hi, Jeannie. Your previous post on Fit Pregnancy regarding spotting during the first trimester brought me a lot of comfort. But now I'm coming up on 17 weeks and I'm still having intermittent spotting. Previously, it was brought on by difficult bowel movements and only lasted about a day, if that long. For the past four days, I've had an occasional brown tinge when I wipe after peeing. It started after I spent a long Saturday deep cleaning the house. That night when going to the bathroom before bed, I had a little pink tinge on the toilet paper. The next day it had changed to brown, but has continued off and on each time I use the bathroom. And I'll just interject here for sensitive listeners. Yeah, TMI. That's what we talk about here on this podcast. The first time, getting back to Allison's letter. The first time it happened, a single swipe of bright red blood at 13 weeks, I raced to the midwife and an ultrasound revealed a strong heartbeat, a very active baby girl, and a long closed cervix. I've spoken to my midwife about this recent bout of spotting, and she said nothing I described caused her any concern. I haven't had cramping or pain, but definitely a general sensation of all the changes going on down there. Occasional twinges of faint pain in my lower right abdomen some pubic bone pressure here and there, even occasional mild vaginal pain. My next checkup is next week, but I'd just love to know what the heck is causing this. Any insight you could provide would be greatly appreciated and could save my sanity. Thank you, Allison. So I, I wrote her right back and I said, hi, Allison. Thanks so much for reaching out. I agree with your midwife. Probably nothing to worry about. That said, I don't know any mother who wouldn't feel at least a little worry about bleeding. Most likely, you have some fragile blood vessels around your cervix. This isn't a problem. You have increased blood flow to your cervix during pregnancy, and those teeny tiny capillaries, 
little blood vessels can leak a little when you put a little pressure on them. Like when you're going to the bathroom doing squats, having sex. As long as it's just a little and it goes away or turns brown, you're probably fine. All the other sensations and twinges sound right on track too. I'm glad your midwife is available to chat about this because sometimes we really, really need reassurance, right? Also, if bleeding increases, just call her again. She really won't mind one bit. Um, I asked her if it's okay to read her email on the episode and um, she wrote back and she says, thank you so much for taking the time to respond. That's so reassuring to hear from a pro what I had been suspecting and my midwife was suspecting. I've also recently read some interesting things about cervical erosion, ectropion, after another bout of bright red blood yesterday, which has since turned to brown spotting. Oddly, the info sharing mainly comes from the UK and Australian medical sources and message boards with very few, if any, OB sources in the US talking about this as a common issue during pregnancy. Is this the same thing as a friable cervix? And by all means, feel free to use my case in your podcast. I hope it'll be helpful helpful for others to hear. So one thing that I didn't mention in my response to her, but I feel a little reassured about is that Allison had this spotting and she went to her midwife and I feel really good about that. And her midwife did an ultrasound. What we haven't talked about is the placement of her placenta. And I am betting that that ultrasound showed that it was in a normal position and not covering the cervix and not the cause of her bleeding. But I wanted to put that out there right then and there. Um, what else about her emails do you want to talk about? Well, while, while spotting can be considered common in pregnancy, I never say that it's normal. Right. And I always want somebody to reach out to me if they're concerned about what's going on with their pregnancy. Yeah. So when someone calls me or emails me and says that they're spotting, I have them come in mm-hmm. and we listen to the baby and look and make sure that the baby's doing fine if it's too if it's too early in the pregnancy to hear the heartbeat. And then I usually look inside the vagina with a speculum mm-hmm. so that I can see where the blood might be coming from. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's something um, really simple and not concerning at all. Mm-hmm. So there might be, as you said, some little blood vessels on the surface of the cervix the skin of the cervix that bleed when you touch them. Mm -hmm. We call that a friable cervix. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people can have a polyp, which is like a little blob of tissue that sticks out of the cervix that bleeds when you touch Mm -hmm. it. Both of those things are not concerning at all. They're, they're kind of annoying Mm -hmm. because they keep, you know, if, if you touch your cervix during sex or while you're having a difficult bowel movement or with squats or all those things you were talking about, your cervix can bleed. And then you have bright red spotting turning Mm -hmm. to brown. Which is scary every time. Um, It's scary every time. Yeah. And, but if you know that you have a friable cervix, then I think people are reassured. Right. If I look inside the vagina and I see the blood coming from inside, that appears to be coming from inside the uterus from the cervix, I'm concerned. Yeah. And I might go a step further. I might order a formal ultrasound for them to locate. Where is that placenta? For them to see, is that is that cervix the right length or is it shortening? And I just can't tell by looking at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I think talking to your provider is always the right thing to do mm-hmm. and um, getting to the bottom of why you're having the spotting is the right thing to do. And it kind of sounds like 
her midwife is thinking along the same lines of care that you're thinking of. So, so Allison, I hope that that is, um, as you said, saving your sanity a little bit. Sounds like you and I both think, Chris, that she's probably okay. And I'm really grateful that she's got a midwife who's listening to her. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that that's it for reader email or listener emails this week, Chris. Anything else you want to put out there before we close out this episode? I just want to say thanks to you for creating this podcast for women. Oh. I think it's a it's been a gap where um, this is a great opportunity for people to have um, real-time feedback about concerns that they have and information. And I am just... I love all of your different topics and I look forward to you having a hundred more podcasts. Uh, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate it. You've been a big part of it and it's been so much fun. It's fun. It has been so much fun. Absolutely. I know it. Absolutely. And you know, what's really great is that, you know, you and I are sitting in our, each in our own, you know, kitchens in Portland, Oregon, but our audience, our listeners are all over the world and, you know, there will be women in you know, countries far away where they may not have the same level of healthcare access that American women will have, or, you know, even around the United States, they may not have the same access to customized care that women here in Portland have. And so it gives them a little bit more. It's a little bit more of their care plan. And that's really important. Yeah. So thank you, Chris. We'll talk again soon. You're welcome. Let's talk again for sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this week, everybody. We won't have a new episode next Saturday because it's Thanksgiving week. And frankly, I'm the mom in this house and I'm going to be cooking for a crowd. We'll be back the following Saturday with episode number 101 and we'll keep this big conversation going. Our guest today was Chris Beard, certified nurse midwife. Come on over to my website, jeanfaulkner.com to learn more about me. Go pick up a copy of my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, wherever books are sold. And don't hesitate to email me at gene at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at genefaulkner and send me your questions. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks for helping us make it to 100, Alex. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Mama's